Well, good morning, church family. Glad you could join us this morning, and uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us in the time of worship through song. Uh, And so as we prepare our hearts to uh, glean from the Word of God as we speak to the vast love of Christ for us, let's go ahead and bow once again for a word of prayer. Father, you are a good and gracious King. You are over all that is. Without you, there is nothing. Uh, And Father, we thank you for uh, the fact that we have life and breath, uh, that we have the ability to join together this morning, uh, to not only uh, join together as believers in Jesus Christ, but to sing your praises, uh, to speak uh, to you, to uh, remind us of who you are, uh, to speak that truth outwardly. Uh, and to take that truth and not only know it in our minds, but also apply it in obedience in our hearts. Uh, And so, Father, today as we open up your word, as we speak to the vast love of Christ for us, uh, may you teach us, uh, may we have an appreciation and a new, deeper understanding of that uh, subject that, as the scriptures say, surpasses knowledge. Uh, But, Lord, you have given it to us to know and to be in all because uh, you are good and gracious in all your ways. And so, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 3. We're getting closer to the end of chapter 3. And for the uh, next uh, two more weeks, including today, which will make it three, we are going to look at the vast love of Christ for us. Uh, And our text will be over the next three weeks, verses 17 through 19. And so let's go ahead and refresh our memories as we begin, uh, so we have a context, but also, too, so that we can begin to delve a little bit deeper. Uh, It says in verse 17, "...so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth." And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul has gone from believers being rooted and grounded in love, which we talked about last time, uh, to the, the knowing the love of Christ for us. Uh, and this knowing, this This understanding, this uh, taking in and making part of who we are is something that is practical. It's experiential. It's not just head knowledge that Paul is praying for, uh, because head knowledge does us very little good if it does not change who we are. Uh, We can memorize all kinds of things. We could know things on the surface. We can even reiterate them uh, with eloquence. Uh, and find out that they mean nothing because we don't see the depth of those uh, truths uh, in our lives today. Uh, and so the reason for this, this experiential knowing of the love of Christ is for the purpose of what the end of verse 19 says, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Uh, and over the next couple of weeks, I want you to think about that reality of being filled with all the fullness of God. Because that is a very deep, very profound statement. It speaks a lot to the God whom we love. 
that there is an aspect in which we can be filled with all the fullness of God. Uh, And so as we begin, I want you to understand that this knowledge that we're going to take and and look at for the next three weeks uh, is the highest knowledge there is. Doesn't matter what subject you're speaking to, those things pale in comparison to knowing the love of Christ for us. And I don't want you just to, to, to know it in, in a way that maybe even you've, you've known for years. I want you to see a little bit deeper, because Paul uses some dimensional language here that we're not even going to look at today. Uh, so Terry, you're going to have to find some more songs to talk about the length, the breadth, the height, and depth of God's love for us, because that's our text next week. But there's no other knowledge comparable to the vast love of Christ. It's more than Jesus just hanging on a tree. It's more than the Son of God taking on flesh and dwelling among us. It is the creator God of all, who, because of his justice, has the ability to execute justice immediately because of our rebellion against him. He could have just stopped right there with Adam and Eve in the garden, executed justice on them, having them pay for the the wages of their sin, But what we see is the beginning of an unfolding of a a plan, a sovereign plan of God that actually goes back before he even created Adam and Eve. And it's something that's going to show us something profound, something beautiful to look at, something that has many facets to it, something that if given a hundred lifetimes, and as the text says, it is a Uh, a love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And so what happens is is we may have the tendency to think that, well, if it surpasses knowledge, why spend the time at all looking deeper into the love of Christ? Well, we're not even going to go down that trail at all. Because the challenge here is, is to realize that it says also in verse 18 that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the length, the height, and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So Paul is mating two different things here for us to have the strength to comprehend something that is incomprehensible, something that surpasses knowledge itself, because it goes deeper, it goes into the heart. It's not just something that is a mental exercise that we're participating with. This is the highest knowledge because this knowledge is what transforms lives the creator God reaching down through his son to show us what true love is. So today we're going to look at God's love. And I'm not going to go down the the trail, so if you're getting ready to start tuning me out and say, well, he's going to talk about agape and phileo and eris uh, as the different types of love. I'm not. I'm actually going to take you uh, on a different journey so that you can see God's love as we find it scripturally. Um, And it's going to be something that you will want to take notes, because in order for you to comprehend, in order to have the strength to comprehend, something that surpasses knowledge, you need to be able to go back to it. You need to ask God through his spirit to show you just how precious, how wonderful that love is. Because it's one of God's attributes. It's something that God is. And that takes us to our first point as we think about God's love. 
And that is the fact that God is love. And culturally, people like to camp out on this and just think about God being love, and that's, that's all they want to think about. But God is so much more. But we don't want to also minimize this because this is something that Paul prays for the strength to comprehend with every other believer using dimensional language, something that surpasses knowledge itself. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So that verse right there proclaimed the fact that whoever loves has been born of God. So that means that what the world thinks in relation to love is not the love of God. Because it says here that whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And the world may, you know, pontificate in in wonderful eloquence the fact that they think they know what love is, but until they actually go back to the God who is love, they don't know what love is. And that's part of what makes it so beautiful, so deep, uh, something that we should seek through the strength of the Spirit to comprehend with all the saints how beautiful God's love for us is, and that the God who is love chooses to exercise that love in such a way that it makes it possible through faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be made right with God. Not for God to execute His justice immediately, because He is a holy, holy, holy God, as we sung this morning. So first, in relation to God's love, is that He is love. It's one of his attributes. And as we talk about his attributes, we, we always say that this is something that God is. He does not need to grow in it. He does not need to expand his knowledge in it. He is love itself. And we can take a look at some of the other attributes of God and see God's love as seen through those attributes. And if you've never taken the time to study the attributes of God... Uh, You may want to jot down a name. Uh, A.W. Tozer, in his uh, work, The The Knowledge of the Holy, does a a wonderful job of taking a look at the Scriptures and seeing how God reveals himself to man and putting it into what I would consider very layman terms for us to appreciate the attributes of God. And I'm going to quote out of that, that book because what he does is he, he shows us that we can learn about God's love through his other attributes, because none of his attributes work independent of the others. You know, because it's something that God is, his love works in tandem with his holiness, which works in tandem with his justice, which works in tandem with the fact that he is eternal. You know, all of his attributes work together as the one who is the one true God. They're not in conflict with one another, they're perfect, they don't need to be changed. So listen to what he says in relation to seeing the love of God through his other attributes. He says, From God's other known attributes, we may learn much about his love. We can know, for instance, that because God is self-existent, his love has no beginning. Because he is eternal, his love can have no end. Because he is infinite, it has no limit. Because he is holy, it is the quintessence of all spotless purity. Because he is immense, 
His love is an incomprehensible, vast, bottomless, shoreless sea before which we kneel in joyful silence and from which the loftiest eloquence retreats confused and abashed. So because of who God is, because his attributes tell us something about who he is, and these attributes are not things that we make up because somehow we've made a God of our own making or what we envision God to be, these are the things that God has revealed to us in his word. And so because these attributes all work together, we can see that his love is eternal, that his love is uh, infinite, his love is holy, his love is immense, his love has no beginning and no end. See, that's how we need to see the love of God, to see it through God's eyes as he sees love, because that will transform how we love one another, which in 1 John 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love God or does not love does not know God. So that's a pretty high calling for every believer here this morning. That you are to love because God is love. And so that means you need to understand, you need to delve deeply into what the love of God is and apply that in everything that you think, say, and or do, which is a very high calling. That may be the thing that surpasses knowledge itself, is that we are to take the love of God from the God who is love and apply that in how we live our lives in love towards one another. So God is love. God's love is seen through his other attributes. God's love is expressed in the life of Christ. I appeal to 1 Corinthians 13, which you are very well aware of. Um, It gives us a good definition of what love is. Uh, And I put uh, in the bulletin there John MacArthur's quote in relation to this section of 1 Corinthians because I think it's important for us to see uh, this aspect. He said, Paul is painting a portrait of love. And Jesus Christ is sitting for the portrait. He lived out in perfection all of these virtues of love. This beautiful picture of love is a portrait of him. And so when we think about love and we think about living that out, we have the the premier example of what true love is. If you want to know how to love as God is love and God has loved us through his son, then look at his son, because he will give you the example that you need. And through the spirit that indwells you, you'll have the strength not only to comprehend that love, but also to live that love out. So 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So here we have a a beautiful picture through the, the life of the Son of God in relation to what love should look like coming out of us. 
So if you read that list and there were things you're saying to yourself, well, you know what, sometimes I'm rude towards someone because they're rude towards me. Well, see, that's not God's love, and that's not the love of God living through you. But listen, listen to these in light of Jesus. Love is patient. Okay? Jesus was patient with people, probably more patient than he should have been with some people. But the thing is, is he showed his, his patience in teaching them the truth because he knew that they had been misled for years to believe that self-righteousness is what made you right with God. He was kind to people, kind to people that were considered outcasts, kind to those that were even his, his greatest opponents. He did not envy what other people had because he was the very son of God. He is king of kings and lord of lords. There's nothing that he needed to envy in relation to anyone else, their status or who they were, because he knew who he was. Love does not boast. What did Jesus do? He humbled himself. He didn't boast. It is not arrogant. What did Jesus do? He emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. It's not rude. Instead, what he did is he built up, or if he did challenge people's thinking in a stern way, it was for their betterment because they needed to hear the truth and to hear that truth in love. It does not insist on its own way, not my will, but yours be done. It is not irritable because we know that Jesus was long-suffering. Matter of fact, we can see this and we're, we're 2,000 years removed from it to know that God is long-suffering. Because Jesus Christ has not returned yet, so there are those who need to see the love of Christ lived out through others proclaiming the gospel good news. He's not resentful. Instead, what he did is he helped people. He served them. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. What he did is he showed a better way. He lived the truth outwardly. So we see that he rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, even death on a cross. Believes all things because he is the way, the truth, and life. Hopes all things because he is the hope for every sinner before a holy God. He endures all things because even though he said, if this cup may pass from me, not my will, but yours be done, that he was spitten upon or spat upon, I'm not sure, the English there. He endured even death on a cross, was buried, and rose again the third day because his love never ends, because he is the eternal God of all. So you see the God, uh, you see God's love expressed in the life of Christ through 1 Corinthians 13? Well, that is the love that you should express in your everyday life as well. Because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ here today, then you, as Paul's prayer, should have a, the prayer of strength to comprehend with all the saints the length, the height, the breadth, and the depth of Christ's love for us. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. 
Why? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God's love is active. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, In this, the love of God was made manifest, or so that it was clearly seen, clearly understood among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, that not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Because it's only Jesus Christ, God's Son in love, who can appease the wrath of God and thereby reconcile sinful man to a holy God. He is the mediator between God and man, the man, the Son of God, Christ Jesus himself. Romans 5.8 states it this way, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus in John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. The Son of God laid down his life for his sheep. He knows them by name. And through faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone, we are friends with God, no longer enemies. So God's love is active, but God's love also casts out all fear. This shows another active portion of it, but it's also important because this differentiates the love of man from the love of God. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love. And where does perfect love come from? The God who is perfect, the God who is holy, the God who is love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. See, the thing is, is that God shows a common grace and a common love for all of mankind, for everything that he has made. But there's something special, what I would call a salvific love, that only few find. Because not everyone believes Not everyone comes to the knowledge of the truth. Not everyone knows who Jesus Christ is. But see, the thing is, is once you know God, once you have experienced the love of God through Christ, then guess what? It casts out all fear because fear has to do with judgment. And so when we read Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where it says, Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is based in the fact that God is love and you've experienced the love of God through Christ salvifically so that your sins have been forgiven because you've repented and have been given a righteousness not your own so that you are clothed in the righteousness of Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ, so that you can experience what true love is. And then, therefore, love others with that same love. I'd like to take a couple of moments here to speak in relation to the fear of God versus the fear of God's judgment. Because it says here that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Now, we read it in Proverbs Chapter 1, verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despised wisdom and instruction. This is not meaning that you go cowering in a corner 
because you are afraid of God. Now, I think it would be a good dose for everyone to actually realize that God is that formidable, that he is a God that is just and right, and that there is a wage for our sin. But most people do not pay attention to that. Though this fear of the Lord, that is the beginning of knowledge, a knowledge that helps us to be able to see the love of God in Christ, to see that vast love that Christ has shown for us, is seeing God as he is, to see all of his attributes coming together in perfection, to know that there is a way in which we can be made right with God, even if we are the worst of sinners. That the love of God has length, height, breadth, and depth enough to save even the most wretched sinner. But see, Romans chapter 3 speaks to the condition of man. And this is speaking to a man who does not know love. Because as it is written in verse 10, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Verse 17 goes on to say, and the way of peace they have not known because there is no fear of God before their eyes. See, they don't see God as he is. What they do is they think they know who the God of love is, or at least who they want the God of love to be. But see, the thing is they have no fear of God. They have no all or reverence of him because they are enslaved to sin, because they are spiritually dead. They are blind to everything that is truth. They are blind to the very love of God because they have not experienced salvation through Christ. There's no fear of God before their eyes. And why is there no fear? John 3, 19 says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. That's why in Romans 1.18, the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Because they know there is a day of judgment coming. Because the law of God is written on their hearts. But they suppress the truth about God. Because if they truly understood the love of God, then they know that the love of God sent Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, to Calvary to die a sinner's death, though he was the spotless Lamb of God who never sinned at all in thought, word, or deed. See, there's no fear of God in their eyes. There's no reverence, no awe, but there is fear of God's judgment and what they do is they press that down because they don't want to hear that there is someone I have to be accountable to. I want God to love me as I am. I want God to accept me as I am. But see, the thing is, if God could accept you as you are, then Jesus did not need to die. God's love did not need to be shown through the sacrifice of his son. See, we need to be transformed. We need to be born again. We cannot be accepted as we are. It's bad theology. 
God accepts us based off of his love and his justice being appeased as his son is that propitiation for our sins. Because we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that is when we are accepted. We are transformed, made new, and we have a fear of God at that point. We're no longer like the rest of the world that is in fear of judgment, fear of getting caught, fear of something different than what I want to believe or the truth that I've made for myself. God's love cast out all fear. And lastly, God's love is so vast, we cannot exhaust it. We'll speak more of that next week as we speak to the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of God's love as we take a look at each one of those aspects and what the scriptures show us in relation to that dimensional language. And something I'm going to be doing over the next three weeks is I'm going to be weaving in a song that speaks appropriately to all four of those aspects. Uh, it's entitled, Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. It was written by Samuel Trevor Francis, who lived from 1834 to 1925. Our hymn book only has three stanzas in it, which was published in 1902. But the original psalm that was published uh, in another article of uh, poems uh, and other literature, the song originally had eight stanzas. And each stanza is beautiful. Each one begins with the words, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Let me read the first verse to you. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leaning onward, leading homeward to my glorious rest above. Something that this hymn does is it has a lot of oceanic language in it. And you'll notice here, the, 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 in reference to the deep, deep love of Jesus, think about an ocean itself. You know, if you've ever been on a, a cruise ship or if you've ever flown over an ocean, looked out, you know, the windows and just see water for as far as you can see. And you know that the water is so deep. And matter of fact, there's much of the ocean that hasn't even been explored by man, even though we live on this planet. So think of it this way. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast. So it's great in size. It's unmeasured. So it has no end. It is boundless. So it has no limits. It's free because it's a gift of God. It's rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. You know, have you ever been in the, in the ocean where a wave is taking you in and by surprise and all of a sudden you find yourself underneath the wave in the current? being pulled each and every direction. It's rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, around me, is the current of thy love. See, this begins to help you see the magnitude, the scope, how vast in size God's love is for us. It's like being dropped in the middle of the ocean and going halfway down so that you're completely surrounded from above around, underneath, by a vast ocean of God's love. But remember, in relation to God's attributes, it is so vast, 
And because God is infinite, it has no limit. Some have said that when you think about the length, height, and breadth, and depth of God's love, that it has dimensions so you can actually measure it. And I would disagree with that. Because our God is infinite. And so his love is also infinite. The ocean kind of gives you a little bit of an idea. But know this, that God's love is over you, underneath you, around you, and the current of that ocean of love is what is directing you so that you can, like it says, beloved, let us love one another for the love, uh, for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So if you are in the love of God, if you've experienced the love of God in salvation, then there is nothing or no one that you cannot love with the love of God. That's how vast it is. That's how overwhelming it is for you that it can also overwhelm through you. So how should this inform our lives today? See, a love like this shows that God Almighty is a relational God. Stop and take that in for a minute. He is not aloof. Just because you cannot see him with your your naked eyes does not mean he is not real. Because you can look at the creation around you and and see that it gives testimony to, it glorifies God. If you were up this morning early enough to see the sunrise, the sky was just brilliant with color. A love like this shows that God Almighty is a relational God. How do we know that? Because he sent his son, Jesus Christ, in human form so that he could dwell among us as the way, the truth, and the life and to speak to us the truth in love that we are sinners in need of a Savior. A love like this shows that God Almighty is a relational God and not just a religion to be regarded or an idol to be worshipped because he is God Almighty. He is real. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as we are strengthened through his spirit in our inner being, going back to Ephesians here, and Christ makes his home in our hearts through faith, it is then and only then that we will have the strength to comprehend with all the saints the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Did you catch that? Do you see how all of it's working together? Do you see how the Trinity is involved in you experiencing the full magnitude, the full scope, every aspect of the love of God in your life today? Not just so you can feel warm and fuzzy, but so that you can know the God who is relational, the God who is personal, to walk with him and talk with him, to abide in him, to walk with him. I'd like to close because Donald Barnhouse, as we think about the fruit of the Spirit, which, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is part of, you know, what we are given as believers because we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and therefore we are given the fruit of the Spirit, which speaks to the attributes, at least the ones that are communicable to us, that God gives us. And I love what he does here in relation to seeing this through a particular lens, And I've never seen anyone speak to this, and so I'm going to share it with you today because I think it fits well with what we're talking about. Because you know, for the fruit of the Spirit is, what's the first one? 
love, okay? So love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Long-suffering is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. Self-control is love holding the reins. It's a really beautiful way to look at the, the, the fruit of the Spirit because these are all fruit that you have as believers in Jesus Christ, which begins with love, because really love is what defines everything. Because without the love of God, there's no salvation. Without the love of God, there's no peace. This is why it's key. And no matter how many sermons you've heard about love, no matter how much you think you know love, I'm here to challenge you today for you to see that there's more you need to know. There is more strength that you need to comprehend with me, as well as everyone in this room, what is the length, the height, the breadth, and the depth of God's love. Even as a love that surpasses knowledge, well, that knowledge is man's limited knowledge. We're finite. We don't know everything. But you know what? The God who is infinite can certainly, through his strength, through his power, begin to help me see this vast ocean of love that I find myself in. And have that ocean current direct me over here or over here or wherever God leads so that the love of God through Christ can be shown outwardly to everyone I come in contact with. Because there are people guaranteed in your circles of influence that need Jesus Christ. There are people within your circle, maybe someone right in your own house, that need to see the love of Christ lived out through you. And that love is not based in the circumstances. Well, I'll love if, no. Because God is love, because we know God, then according to 1 John 4, 7, let us love one another for God, or for love is from God. He can give us the ability to do the, the unthinkable, the unfathomable, the very thing that we don't think we can do, or maybe we've been suppressing or pushing away or acting out in relation to for years. God's love can change you. It did so in relation to salvation, but his love doesn't stop there. Because remember, the current is moving you wherever God directs. As that love permeates your existence, as you begin to understand, begin to embrace and can love like Christ loved you, a love that we saw in 1 Corinthians 13. In every little aspect, every little nuance, every little corner of your life, God's love can change how you think, what you say, and what you do. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, the time this morning as we have just begun to scrape the surface of your great love for us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for those that have gone before us. They can uh, see uh, through the study of the Word and through the leading of the Holy Spirit different aspects in relation to the magnitude, the scope, the vastness of the love that you have shown us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We are indeed in an endless ocean. 
not just tossed to and fro willy-nilly. We are being moved directionally towards something. And for every believer here, we know that there are things that are going to happen maybe later today, maybe tomorrow, maybe a week from now, maybe years from now, that you are going to give us appointments for us to show forth your love from the God who is love. And all building towards a time when we'll be in the very presence of the God who is love forever. To be in your presence forever. To be able to sing and to lift our voices as we've done already this morning and we'll do in a few moments here. All for your glory. Because you are truly an awesome and almighty God who is love. There's so many ways in which we can see that lived out today through your word, through the lives of other believers, and ultimately through the Holy Spirit that indwells each and every one of us as he gives testimony to the fact that we are children of God, but also guides us and directs us, convicts us of sin, encourages us, builds us up through the truth of your word. And so, Lord, may those realities be evident in every believer here today. May they not just push us into a corner, but may your love flow through them in a very powerful way through the strength of your spirit and through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.